welcome to The Small Screen, a weekly TV podcast. I'm Max Kennedy, and joining me on the other line is Denise Luca. Hi, everyone. Hey, Dee. So we've got another episode of Succession to get into. But yep. before that, uh, I was thinking maybe we tackle theory or a sort of trend that I've been coming up with mm. over the last Go few on. months in the current TV landscape. And then before that, there's been a really interesting article that's dropped in the last couple of days, which uh, I'm just springing on you now. But it's uh, Brian Cox, a.k.a. Uh, Logan Roy, mm-hmm. is uh, dropping a new book, a, I guess you could call it a biography, Life wow. of Brian Cox, uh, his memoir. It's called Putting the Rabbit in the Hat. And I know we've been talking in recent weeks that he seems like a bit of a grump in real life and he seems yeah. like a Logan Roy and this uh, really hammers home the point. So everything that's getting a lot of traction in the articles are his um, summaries, one-line summaries of some of the actors that he's worked with. Right. They're pretty funny. I haven't read about this yet, so this is exciting. <laughs> so he refers to Johnny Depp with uh, this line saying, personal though I'm sure he is, he is so overblown, so overrated. I mean, Edward Scissorhands, let's face it, if you come on with hands like that and pale scar, face makeup, you don't have to do anything. And he didn't. Subsequently, he's done even less. Why is he, why is he being so mean? <laughs> he's roasting I, people. He's roasting everyone. What's his, what's his deal? I love Johnny Depp. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, Succession's just got into his head, really. So he's actually turning into Logan. Or he already was this whole time. Do you think, because when I was, I watched him in some interviews last week uh, about succession and he seemed to be a little bit like timid and kind of like (laughs) more laid back. And I don't know if it's because he was, you know, just talking succession, trying to be professional, but I didn't get that about him at all. (laughs) I mean, I know that he can get there, get to that level. Maybe he was just, he he was just brewing, waiting for this, uh, waiting for his moment. Because he also talks about Michael Caine. He said he wouldn't <gasps> describe Michael Caine as his favourite. Uh, he says he's an institution, but being an institution will always beat having range. <gasps> what? Is, what's going on? What's the motivation here? Is it? Does he think this book is funny? I think it's pretty funny. I think he's just, <laughs> who cares? He's so old. <laughs> Respectfully. Uh, he can say whatever he wants. Come on, Max. I'm getting there too. And <laughs> no. I would never roast people like that, especially in a book. Give it who, 50 who years or however. Yeah. <laughs> Who else does he roast? Uh, he says, Edward Norton was a nice lad, but a bit of a pain in the ass because he fancies himself a writer and a director. Oh, my. <laughs> that's just, I, it's pretty incredible I, need stuff. To, I need to read this article and probably this book and see what's going on there because the motivation, it's, yeah, strange. And I then, oh, this is that. actually a good one. You might, yes. you'll enjoy this one. He talks about Keanu Reeves. <gasps> no, he doesn't. No one roasts Keanu Reeves. And he says, uh, Keanu Reeves has actually become rather good over the years. Oh, oh no, I don't know how to take that now because he's kind of bagged all the very decent actors. And even though I love Keanu Reeves and he's, you know, he's he's great. He's not like Michael Caine level and he's not, you know, even Johnny Depp. <laughs> I, can't, I don't know how to take that. I mean, I should just take it because I love Keanu Reeves, but. It's definitely, a, it's a backhanded compliment though. I would say. Yeah, definitely. But it's, I can't, I don't understand why he would do that. Why would you take the time to write a book about, you know, like roasting everyone else and not talking about your experiences, you know, what you've learnt rather than kind of gossip about people? I will, this could probably be one chapter and I'm sure it probably is. Maybe even huh. two pages. You know, they love a pull quote and so they'll, yeah, they'll just take a quote or in this case, a couple of quotes, put it in a Vanity Fair article and... This will sell the book. Yeah. There could be out of context. 
We'll um, have to read. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they're out of context, but in the scheme <laughs> of the whole book, I don't think it's not a hit yeah. piece on, it's not him roasting fellow actors for 300 pages. Yeah, I hope Although, not. Although, I'd like I to read that. I hope there's lessons there, right? <laughs> but yeah, I can't believe he's done that. And with talent, that's kind of, you know, it's up there in my books anyway. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks for bringing this on me. Now I've got to go reading and seeing what's going on there. But yeah, yeah thanks, definitely <laughs> dive into that one. <laughs> we could. Before we dive into the new episode, episode three of Succession, season three, mm. I was thinking there's this trend that I've kind of noticed. And I think a lot of people have sort of voiced this opinion in different ways, but it's kind of this idea of like the blockbuster TV show taking over uh, yes. in very similar ways that in the past we've had like the blockbuster movie takeover like the Marvel mm. movie, which dominates the box office for a month. And then it makes it really hard for these other smaller indie movies or even other big blockbuster movies that just aren't at that level to break through. And I think in a movie landscape, it's sort of it's par for the course, but it's okay because a movie kind of only resonates for three weeks a month. If it's a huge Avatar movie, it keeps going, but it has that steady rollover, whereas when you're in a show, a TV landscape, you can be stuck, not stuck with the show, but a show can be there for 10 weeks, eight weeks. And that's sort of all people talk about for eight weeks. And there's so much TV that gets lost. Yes. And we're guilty of it ourselves. Like we've started a succession recap podcast, mm. but there's a lot of really good TV. And I think at that succession level, that just gets missed because succession and HBO dominates the conversation. No, it's a good point, Max. Um, and like you said, there's so much out there. I really don't know when to where to start. So you kind of find something you like, something that comes to you, or for me anyway, um, through other people that have watched great things, like suggestions and things like that. And I kind of latch onto that and watch what I can when I can. You're right, there's so much there that's hidden in all the streaming service libraries and subscription TV and I guess sometimes even in you know in the FTAs, but pretty aware. But um mm. the problem here, Max, is that there's a lot out there. Yeah. That's the problem. And it needs whatever the show is, like an example of Squid Game, it needs to cut through somehow, be unique or generate, like you said, that talkability mm. and spread the word you know, from family to family, friend to friend, you know, that kind of wave. And on social media, of course, I'm going to refer to that. I know I'm old, but it, it is strong. <laughs> yeah, but it seems now too that when series become blockbusters, like it's really big, right? It's the first time that series have become this kind of this kind of level. It's like next level big, right? Yeah. But then again, I think about my times, Max, you know, the 90s when I was growing up with series like Seinfeld, Friends, mm all those kind of shows, but I guess there were more sitcoms. Yes. Yeah. It just seems like we're sort mm. of, you're, it's either the biggest show in the world or it's nothing. And we're just sort of hopping from one big show to the other. So we had like Mayor of Easttown, I think yeah. dominated the culture for a while. And then we sort of hopped to Squid Game and now mm. we've sort of hopped to Succession. Yeah. And it could just be the circles and articles and everything that I'm reading that we're reading. So you sort of surround yourself with that media bias, but yeah, everywhere you look seems to be succession. And there's yeah. a lot of other good stuff that we should probably talk about yeah, briefly sure. before we get into our recap that uh, Definitely. Yeah, deserves the time of day. What are your 
hidden gem suggestions? So there's one, this is kind of what got me thinking about this. I just finished um, watching, I think it was episode 10, maybe episode nine of Evil, which is oh, yes. the uh, CBS, uh, I guess you could call it, it's like a network drama, but it's from mm. the Kings who husband and wife producing writing team who created The Good Wife first on CBS, which was like a long running uh, network drama. And then the spin-off, The Good Fight, which went mm -hmm. to CBS All Access and now Evil. So they have uh, The Good Fight and Evil running in tandem with each other. And yeah, so talking about both of them, they're like my two favorite shows on TV. I think The Good yeah. Fight is like one of the best series currently out. And it's just so masterful. Even The Good Wife, it really, it was sort of the perfect network series. It never got too ridiculous. It did have that pulpy little bit of drama that you need, like the relationship drama, the will they, won't they, the, the shootings, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. the Kings are so good at making or playing with that, the constraints of a network drama and getting the most out of it without it seeming like a Grey's Anatomy Mm. ridiculous over-the-top series yeah and then when they went to the good fight the shackles were off because it was on streaming and it's just gone like balls to the walls crazy super yeah. topical the way they handle trump uh black lives matter every episode seems to just be honed in on what's happening yeah in the current climate which mm. you give like shows like john oliver and colbert a lot of credit for but this is sort of a drama that's filmed <laughs> so far in advance or needs to be filmed in advance and written in advance. And it just mm. seems so timely and so nuanced in the way that it um, tackles these issues as a legal drama. Mm. And then evil is just uh, evil for anyone that doesn't watch evil. It's just about a, a priest in training who um, teams up with a criminal psychologist. So sort of, and to tackle, I guess you'd call it the paranormal there's a lot of exorcisms, all that kind of thing. But it's that classic like believer, non-believer dynamic nice. paired with a network drama that's just, yeah, super weird. Um, you're always on the fence about what's real and what isn't real. Mm -hmm. And then you get all these creepy monsters coming in, a lot of dream sequences, but then sort of mm -hmm. a lot of that like case of the week thing as well. That's good. I have to say, I did watch the first episode of Evil and I like the concept. It mm. reminded me a lot of um, The X-Files, that relationship of the non-believer and the believer and obviously the paranormal, supernatural kind of um, aspect to it. But I just got lost in other drama and I didn't, I didn't continue, but I do want to check that out. You have been talking about it and, <laughs> you know, a big supporter, a big fan. And the good... Uh, the good fight I always wanted to check out as well, but I haven't done that, thinking that it, it's going to be too networky. But the way you're selling it, it seems to be obviously something very different. And yeah, breaking those they're doing a right. lot with the with the form, which mm -hmm. I think is really interesting. So I think whereas Squid Game, Succession were these huge breakout hits, I think you're right. Yeah. A lot of people see it and they say, oh, CBS network weekly drama. Mm. It's probably not for me. It's like another NCIS, but it's actually, there's a lot of interesting stuff on network, mm. not as much as I'd like there to be, but the Kings are uh, two people that just, yeah, play with the form perfectly and really push the boundaries. So there's some really cool stuff in there. The Kings Unleashed. Nice. Yeah. 
<laughs> I will check it out and um, we'll have another chat about these. <laughs> but I'm going to move on to my, I shouldn't say breakout hits because I think they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty popular. I mean, the first one's Wentworth, um, which just, um, this just finished last week. Um, and it is available in like 154, whatever it is, countries. So it's it's pretty big. It's kind mm. of a hit already. It's an established series. Um, I'm gutted that it's finished, by the way. <laughs> I did shed a tear. And for anyone um, that it, doesn't know, that's the, mm. you can probably describe it better than I can do, like a rough yeah. overview of the series. Yes, of course. It's um, Australian local production and uh, gritty prison drama um, that's set in a women's prison. And it's um, got an interesting mix of characters and and twists and backstabbing. And <laughs> it's just a good series with some great Aussie lines and dialogue. And, and the characters, I think, were some of the best I've seen on Australian television. So... I mean, the villains were like next level villains with the freak mm. played by Pamela Rabe and, and more recently Lou, um, who's played by the uber talented Kate Fox. And then, we, of course, you have the lovable characters like Boomer who kind of um, evolve throughout the series because it has been around for nine seasons. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm going to miss it. It was one of those very, it was one of the few shows, few series that I would sit down and watch with a hubby who's very anti-series. Uh, he's an 80s boy, so he's into his films and <laughs> not short commitments in terms of viewing. So it was good to sit down with him every Tuesday and watch Wentworth. Um, and we were both kind of sad to see it go. Um, but I did have, Max, I should say that I wished the finale was more of a movie length finale. You know, it's mm. the last ever episode. I wanted it to be more, you know, to throw more into it. Um, I wanted them to flesh it out a bit more and kind of slowly build the suspense to the big end, which I'm not going to spoil here today. But for anyone that hasn't watched this series before, they should check it out. It's one of the best ever made, especially, you know, homegrown drama one of the best ever made. So I'm big fan and very sad it's gone. If you like Succession, it's mm. sort of like they're very similar vibes in a way, just set in a prism and then like taken to the the next level. So you have all those interpersonal dynamics with all the characters, yes. a lot of different characters, and then, yeah, like a lot of scheming and backstabbing in a literal <laughs> sense, I guess, yes. with the stabbing. But yeah. <laughs> We call that shiving match, shiving but yes, shiving. there's a lot of <laughs> shiving in the back. And great, and a great cast. Like we had mm. Susie Porter come through, um, obviously Pamela Rabe, Rabe, like I mentioned earlier, and other big names um, that have graced our, you know, our screen. So, yeah, if yes, Max, and you should watch the whole thing too. If you haven't watched it, it's not yes. too late to start. I need to catch up. It's only 100 episodes. <laughs> you can do this. 100 episodes? Yes. Oh, God. I think that's the other thing as well, like speaking of this, speaking on this blockbuster show theory or trend, it's that mm. it's so daunting getting into a show that's 100 episodes. And that's, I think, why new shows always pop and they're always sort of at the top of the top of the like water cooler mm. conversation besides the exceptions like Game of Thrones. But you can either start from the start or like a succession, you only have 20 episodes to catch up on. And mm. yeah, 100, it just Throws makes, you off a bit, it, makes right? it difficult. Mm. 
And that's the thing, going back to this idea of them making so much right now. You have all these stream streaming services with money, creating all these new these new dramas and series and like excellent dramas. But by the time you get to one thing, you know, you feel like you missed the boat and then mm. you have to catch up, like you said, and then you've got a hundred episodes to watch. It's it is, it kind of throws you off. But um Looking forward to retirement. I get to watch everything then. <laughs> and you're right. You want to be part of the conversation when it's happening. And I'm That's sure right. even with the good wife and the good fight, evil not so much, but I'm sure there was a conversation mm-hmm. around the time. I think the finale of the good wife was quite controversial with mm-hmm. the ending. And there was no spoilers. No spoilers. spoilers Max. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty physical though. A little bit of violence in there. Um, oh, but wow. Uh, yeah, quite controversial. And I think there was a conversation about that. I got into it quite late through Netflix, but mm-hmm. yeah. And you want, you want to be a part of that conversation when it's happened. And I think that's yeah. why succession and squid game become so big because people don't want to wait mm-hmm. for that, for the time to pass. One of my other favorite shows that I think, I think have, you must've missed this boat, uh, you, the Netflix series, you? You're like, that's not my cup of tea, D. <laughs> this is another one, though. This, If there's one show that's trying to not on par with Succession, but in terms mm. of media coverage, I think it's you. Uh, like I was saying, Succession is everywhere, but I've seen quite a bit of you as well. Yeah. It's a great series, Max. It's an, And I think they've already announced season four. Se- season three just dropped only a week ago or mm. so, but... It's already that big that they kind of yeah renewed it ahead of the release of season three. It's it's a great drama. It's a crime drama um, about a guy called Joe that basically has uh, an obsession with stalking women, basically, and <laughs> things don't end up well at all um, each season. And but you kind of like this is going to sound really twisted, but you kind of grow to to. Do, should I de- dare say like the character? I like him. And I, I think like a lot of people he- do. I think he's had to come out pan badgerly and sort mm. of address that this isn't a character you should like. Yes. So many people do that, like him. It has that terrible effect even on me where I kind of, because he narrates and you kind of hear what he thinks every time he's talking to someone, you also hear his thoughts. You kind of get into his head, inside his head. and you, It's his perspective, right? Yeah, his perspective of everything, of course, but um, it kind of sucks you in and you want to keep watching. And it has that feel of, um, I don't know if you remember Dexter, mm-hmm. where, you know, Dexter was a killer. He was a monster, but he was he was killing, the difference between him and, and Joe is that he was killing bad guys, right? Whereas mm-hmm. this guy's, um, yeah, I don't want to spoil too much for, for our viewers, but it's that kind of like, yeah. that feel. It's got a Dexter feel, basically. And that's why I kind of like him. And in this season, I don't want to say too much again in case I spoil it, but he's, he starts a family, basically. Yeah. So he's become a serial killer <laughs> that starts a family. That's all I can it's very say. very Dexter. Yes, pretty much. But he's likable. Um, there's awesome twists in that as well. It's well shot. There's a lot of references to literature because he's um, – he was trained by a, a librarian or bookkeeper to kind of like fix okay. old books and, you know, got him into reading. So he's got that aspect of like he knows literature and applies <laughs> it to his like life. He refers to characters from famous books. So um, it has that as well. 
yeah, I feel kind of bad saying that I liked him. <laughs> he's a monster now, but it's true, Max. Um, I don't know if it's ever going to rise to the level of succession. I think they're trying to make it that mm. type of kind of family relationship, twisted drama, but I don't know if it's up to the level of succession. Succession is next level because yeah. of that dialogue and the politics and the yeah, definitely not next in terms level. of so. writing and storylines, but maybe mm. at least for that sort of week that it drops, there there it does get a lot of social buzz and a lot of excuse a lot younger, but yeah, a lot of press comes out about it, yep. which is interesting. And maybe that is the I'd be interested to see if it did like a weekly drop, if that would build or. Or vice versa, if Succession dropped all mm. their episodes at once, would we still be talking about it in a month's time? Yeah. Or is it that weekly rollout that sort that's of helps build the buzz? Too. It's a tough mm. one. Probably, probably because there are like the mm. suspense and there's cliffhangers in these type of shows. It, it might be an idea to yeah. release a few at a time rather than go, here's, a, here's the whole series, enjoy it. I feel that in a way with some of the series, it kind of, um, it kind of like cheapens Oh, what's the word that I want to say, Max? It's like disposable, right? It uh, comes as it goes. Yeah, it makes it more disposable. It makes it kind mm. of not stick as well as some of the other series. Like the Succession weekly release just keeps you hanging and you want to come back weekly to watch it because it's so good and it's, it creates the anticipation and yeah. it's like, all right, something to watch on a Monday. So, yeah, if you haven't watched you and you're you're basically a Dexter <laughs> fan, you should check it out. Yeah. I will say Penn Bachelor needs a, like, a new role, smart, quick smart, because he's, what, the Gossip Girl role, he was a pretty psychotic guy in that. He was essentially stalking everyone. Spoiler <laughs> alert, true. he was Gossip Girl in the end. Oh, no, don't tell them. Well, yeah, it's, it's come, it's gone. Uh, that was like <laughs> six seasons of stalking people yeah. for an online uh, yeah, yeah. blog. And now this. Like, uh, he's playing a stalker and a psychopath yeah. pretty well. So, yeah. Exactly. Typecast as a stalker. No. That's not very good for him. But um, he's very handsome. He is he's, handsome. He's very easy on the eye. You kind of want to <laughs> stalk him in a way. What? Well, speaking of one psychopath to another, we should probably get into, or psychopaths, <laughs> we should probably get into this week's episode of Succession. Yes. Episode three, The Disruption. Um, so episode three, we move on to basically everyone returning back to the office. Logan is trying to get everyone together and resisting um, meeting with the um, uh, Department of Justice. And then Tom just drops another bombshell in this and Kendall becomes obsessed with his own takedown, yeah. which is so funny and cringy at the same time. I wanted to highlight, Maxie, that the the title of this, mm. the episode is Disruption, and I like how they kind of like interlace that into the story because I find two, apart from the fact that there's a TV show that Kendall has mm. to go on that's called Disruption, the other disruption that happens in the series that we're going to talk about later is pretty epic in this one in terms of the sibling rivalry, right? There's some bombs dropped. Yes. So I was thinking maybe now that it's every everything's a little bit fractured at the moment, mm. we're getting a lot of different like we thought, a lot of different points of views and the characters are fracturing off a little bit. Yeah. Should probably maybe focus on a character at a time or something. I love that. Dive into those events. And I think you can't start this episode, go into this episode without going with Kendall first. Yes. 
because he just Kendall's yeah, lost the plot. Went nuclear. The scene where he goes to the is it the journalism dinner or one of those events in the yeah yeah in the, and he turns around on the steps and he says, "I'm going to swear now, everyone." He says, "Fuck the patriarchy." He just turns around and yeah. throws that that power trip he's on is becoming a little bit like it's becoming comical, right? Like the whole yeah, thing. and this whole episode, the sort of key moments for him are all about how he's perceived and how he wants people to to see him. Mm. Um, I think there's about four key moments mm. where there's the journal. He sits down with the journalist at the start, yes, and asks, uh, "Are people gonna are you gonna write about me eating a fennel salad?" Yes, and just being concerned about how he comes across. <laughs> yep. Um, I think in that interview as well, he talks about. Uh, he loves Jerry, but Jerry doesn't deserve the position because she's a time server, mm. which I'm like, how else do you get a big corporate position? It's it's kind of delusional in his mind because he thinks Jerry doesn't deserve it because what she's put in the time as opposed to him who it's like his blood, right? That's his right. Birthright. That's what he thinks. I'm that like, he's man, How yeah. delusional do you have to be? Yeah. If anything, a time server, yeah, makes her perfect for the job. Exactly. But like you said, it doesn't, to, to him, it doesn't make sense because he thinks that, you know, <laughs> he's a, he's a Roy and he deserves it. And any Roy would probably be better than someone who's actually done the work, right? <laughs> Which is yeah, ridiculous. for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then they go to good tweet, bad tweet, which again is the game deranged. <laughs> Ugh. The game, that's the funniest thing ever. Like that just kind of shows you what, a, what a, like a douche he is. He just wants to hear about what people are thinking about him, concerned about image. Hey, let's have a game, good tweet, bad tweet. And he just listens to it. And he listens to both. Like he's not affected or doesn't seem to, like he does. He shows that he's not affected. Um, yeah. Until- so I think when he speaks with that journalist, he says uh, it doesn't hurt now. Mm. When he's talking about Sophie Awobi and her late night monologue comments. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, that sort of shifts to the good tweet, bad tweet. One of the tweets references his mental health issues, mm-hmm. crazy guilt, and all that coupled with addiction. And, yeah, it, like he pauses, but it doesn't look like it affects him that much. Yeah. And I'm sort of, yeah, I don't know if it doesn't affect him at all or if he just, does he just like people talking about him in general? I think he's just or, enjoying that, Max. Like, he, mm-hmm. of course, he wants to have a certain image, but the fact that, He's being talked about is what kind of drives him. He enjoys it, he enjoys being that center mm. of attention, having that power. It doesn't matter that the comments are negative until, of course, the very end of the episode, which we should probably talk when we speak about Shiv and what she does. Yeah. That definitely. kind of like, that's like a knife to the heart. But um, yes. So, yeah. And then, so he has the, the talk show, obviously. Mm. And then he's watching that video back in his bed, mm. just sort of, yeah, like stewing in the, the praise. Oh, it's not, it's not praise. It's just the reference to himself, like yeah. textbook narcissism. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Mm. And then, then that final, like you said, Shiv's letter. Shiv's letter. It's the only time anything seems to penetrate the armor and yes. actually get to him. 
Yes, because I think we've spoken about this before. Um, I think you've spoken about this more and I can see it in each episode. He has a lot of, actually a lot of them, a lot of respect for Shiv and what she has to say. Mm. Again, because she's been the outsider, she's come back in, she's supposed to be the noble one in the family. And then for her to turn around and write that letter is like, a it's a big snake move, right? It's like what he did to his father, but she's doing to him. And yeah. just to degrade him like that and just, you know, she takes away um, everything. Like that image he's trying to build has just been shattered in like a few paragraphs, right? So it's it really, yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> I should say awesome. But yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. And it's, all, it's sort of crushing. I don't know if the back of his mind he still held out hope because when they go to the journalism dinner, yeah. he apologizes to her he does. in a way. So I think he's still, and then that kind of devolves into mm. the fight they've had before about her, like him seeing the real her now and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. He was like saying like, there you are, Shiv, and that he's sorry for her and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Are there, in his mind, their positions have flipped mm. on their personalities and who they think they are have both flipped. But in a way, I feel like in the back of his mind, he, yeah, he respects her and he did want her to be on his side and this is just like the final nail in the coffin. Yeah. Where he knows that that relationship is over. Exactly. And it's interesting to see how um, in all this kind of like him in his little grandiose state that he's perceptive enough to kind of go, what does he say? Let me. Uh, he says to her in that um, journalism dinner after she tries to kind of sway him to come back to the family, just that she agrees with him, they've got similar goals and that she wants to mm. basically change the system from the inside. He says that golden line, he goes, they made you get all dressed up for this. So yeah. he knew that she wasn't genuine, that she just wanted to get him back to, mm. you know, to their side and to kind of um, stop what he's doing, right? So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty – it's – um. Mm. Yeah, he definitely won't. I felt really sorry for him when he was sitting in that that very that final server scene. room. Yes, yeah, where you can see that he was um, he was trying to back away from the interview, right? On disruption, he was mm. tr- he was making excuses, trying to get who was he trying to get to replace him? Um, Jay Z <laughs> or something? <laughs> yeah. because he was shattered. It's like it was almost like a reality check for him, right? It was, mm. and it scared him, and he kind of like hit away. I did feel a little bit sorry for him. Yeah, I felt sorry for him. But at the end, then we do see that the ra- they talk about the raid on TV and then you get that smirk again. Yes. So it's like he's back. Yes. They- and I'm thinking maybe changed again. Mm. Kendall's gone through quite a few iterations of his character, mm. but I think this might be another level where the family's dead to him. He's sort of, it's now it's all out warfare. Yeah. And there's, yeah. And he knows he's protected, right, Max? Because in the beginning, the first scene when he's, he's, um, during the interview, he actually says to the journalist that he's struck the deal with the DOJ and he's protected. So he. Yeah, well, it's in the works. Yeah, so so that won't come after him. And knowing him, he seems to, (laughs) seems to like go rogue. So I wouldn't be surprised if that falls through. Mm. Should we move on to Shiv since we're... Yeah, so I guess from that to Shiv. Mm. And I think the big part of Shiv was to put a bookend on Kendall when he storms into the office and he says he's going to go in 
and uh, wears his Unabomber disguise. <laughs> you think like the glasses and his hat makes him look <laughs> like does. like the Unabomber? He does. I'm like God, man. For someone that in some parts is so self-aware, he has zero self-awareness in some ways. Yeah. He's it's like everyone knows it's you. And then in some places he's posing for when he gets to the late night show, he's posing, mm. piecing to the camera, like the journalism dinner, he's saying fuck the patriarchy. Yeah. And then he's riding in his armored car. Yeah. Bomber disguise. He's just he's one big contradiction. It's all a performance. That's what he is. You yeah, know, one big contradiction. He's massive. He's because he's trying to be like his dad. I think we've we've touched on this before. He's trying mm. to be like his dad, you know, cool. You know, powerful, smart, weedy, but he's not. He's like a bit of a yeah. douche. So definitely. <laughs> so he goes into the office, mm. uh, causes a big hullabaloo. There's a town hall that Shiv is uh, presenting at. Yes. Her first, I guess, her first big public role as the president. Yeah, that was that was um, which terrific. Yeah, it was horrific. <laughs> so he basically sets up all these speakers everywhere and blares the song. Rate Me by Nirvana, Ouch. which is super, so on the nose. And like, obviously Cobain has um, described that as being from the point of view of the victim yeah, and like kind of this like defiant taunt to abusers. Yes. And uh, on the, it's also been documented that people have interpreted it as like an attack on the media for their treatment of yes. Cobain, Cobain and Courtney Love. Yeah. I lived through those years. I remember those. Is that... <laughs> The release, yeah. yeah, it was pretty controversial back in the day, but you definitely. So you're like, is he commenting on all of that, or is he really just? It says "rate me" in the title, so he's. I think he definitely has a has a role. Like the the choice of song is very specific to what I think the first point you made, where, you know, you can do all this stuff to me, but I'm going to come back and kind of get you right mm. in the end. I'm going to flip it around, and it's it's so, such a dog move though. Like his sister gets <laughs> finally gets you know, the limelight, the spotlight, and she's making such a beautiful speech. She's, you know, it's her moment and he just destroys it. He shatters it. Yeah. And you can see her like, David, like I, I, when she was trying to talk over the music, I was like, just walk away now, come back, don't mm. do it. She's trying to be defiant and everything, but it's not working. He's just shattered her moment. He's taken it away from yeah. her. And I guess that's why she, obviously she does that snake move in the end with the letter and the statement she releases about yeah. her brother. Well, that's the moment her that that bridge is burnt for her. Yeah, and we see her like visibly upset. She spits in his diary yes. or planner. She's like, yeah, I don't think we've ever seen Shiv like that. Nope, she's gonna start being dirty. Yeah, so that yeah, we sort of the the bridge is broken between the two of them. Mm-hmm. It's Kendall at the end, and then that's her moment then. And I don't think there's any reconciling any of that. Not for a long time, huh? No. But on that Nirvana song, that's a good point. I didn't really think of that. Um, because yeah, I, in my mind, I was like, has he just chosen this because it says rape me? It's about rape, and the, some of the victims were raped. That's part of it. Yeah. Or is he commenting on the media? But yeah, you're right. He's totally just it's, talking about himself. Yeah, it, there's obviously that. the first. Uh, absolutely, that will be one of the points, right? The fact about the mm. cruise ship. You know what's happened there, and that kind of like the, the thing that turned the whole company upside down, and the accusations there, but I think it's also something, it's about him as well and the way that his yeah. dad has been treating him this whole time and the fact that his siblings have joined in on this and, you know, like he's been, he, see, he's, he sees himself as a victim and he's finally now breaking through and trying to turn the whole thing over, right, trying to 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, that's so, definitely it. Guys, it is game time, and the game is... Good tweet and bad tweet! Oh, oh, shit! Just to, like, sort of segue... Well, not segue, just to sort of interrupt the shiv part of it. Mm. I found it really interesting that we're three episodes in and however many episodes into finding out about this huge scandal. Yeah. And we haven't had a victim in the series yet or yeah. a point of view of the victim or any <laughs> discussions with victims. Do you think it'll be something that comes up as this obviously goes to trial, right? Like, do you think they'll get there? I'm assuming they'll get to to see some. But it's also the perspective of looking at the thing that brings up their downfall or that shakes the foundations of this company, right? So they may or may not. Yeah, I think it's I think it's very purposeful. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's a, a, like it's not a um, slight on the writing at all or the show. Mm. I think it's purposeful that, yeah, and even with this song, with everything Kendall's doing, it's all about him mm. and you're right. It's like he's the victim. Yeah. But we've gone three episodes into his crusade to clean up the company, clean up the swamp, however he describes it, and not a victim hasn't even been mm. mentioned or yeah. consulted with. And I know it, some of it happened quite a long time ago, but even like the victim's families or anything, it's it's it's. I think of all the insights into Kendall, that's probably the biggest takeaway that I have is that. He doesn't even think about the victims exactly. at all. He's a narcissist. He considers him It's all himself. about him, yeah. his image, and, you know, trying to get picked, like trying to take over. That's what it is. That's what it's mm. about. So, but you never know. We could see, we could delve into the case because I'd be interested to know what, like more about that as well. Um, yeah. And what the story is there because I remember Logan said something when he was having that chat to Shiv that he did, doesn't read his emails. He gets thousands of emails every day. He just gets <laughs> bullet points of like, you know, like just talking mm. points about everything, saying that basically he wasn't aware of the de- like how bad this, this scandal was. But I'm thinking, no, I don't believe any of that. And I want to know how far his involvement actually was in this scandal. Like what I want to know mm. more about him in connection to the scandal. Maybe victims will come yeah. out then. We'll see. I think more info should come out. Yes. You'd hope. These writers are brilliant. Jesse Armstrong, mm. I'm sure we'll touch on that as well. He's, but like you said, it's yeah. all well, so well constructed, you know? Yeah. So we'll get to see. Definitely. Yeah, you're right. So Kendall just ruins that relationship with Shiv and then Shiv does the same to him. And then another interesting part of Shiv's story is the Tom part of it all. <gasps> yes. And her convincing him. Yeah. No way to throw himself under the bus. Why? Take the fall. Why is Tom doing this? I don't know if I missed it, missed the part or he suddenly does a complete turn and tells she, oh, well, he does speak with a, I think he speaks with someone like a, a lawyer or something about his options here. I think that's what it is. And then basically telling him because the poor guy was basically like heading that department. Like yeah. when this happened, his prison is the only option. Was that right? And so yeah, he he will definitely serve some time. Yes, so he's kind of resigned to it. And then you have Shiv saying, oh, no, no, don't do that. You're drunk. You don't know what you're saying. But then flips it up and goes, it's pure mm. genius, you know, like it's. And it's not even subtle anymore. No. I feel like maybe at the start of the seasons she she was good at manipulating him, mm. master manipulator, and now it's, it's not even, it's just like, don't do it. 
oh, you know what, do it. Yeah. It just, she's not even trying anymore. He'll just do whatever she says. Yeah, I feel bad for Tom in a way. Although that he does make that second phone call after he talks with Logan. Yes. About a consultation. So I'm not too sure what, if that's just sort of setting it up in case it happens. Like mm. he's decided he's going to take the fall and now he gets into all of it or mm. maybe he never had that. Oh, actually he probably had a conversation. Yeah, I don't know. It looks like he's had the conversation. It looks like he's running out of options. And mm. the f- when the FBI actually raids um, Waystar um, and who comes, Hugo comes and tells him during his little like dinner, his work dinner, that basically the FBI is here. You can kind of see him, like he's trying to keep calm and everything, but you can see he's panicking. The, yeah. It's like they're coming for him, right? And because he's mm. made that decision in his mind that he's going to take the fall for it, you kind of sense the yeah. the panic. I was like, oh, poor guy. <laughs> I have nothing to do with this. Um, so it's the first time that I actually feel sorry for Tom in this series, like that this that part. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, and they do such a good job, again, back to the writing and to his performance, uh, Matthew McFadden, mm. uh, when he's talking to the advertisers and that dinner that's in the building. Yes, I was almost like, oh, this guy's actually kind of smooth. <laughs> he's pretty good. In a kind of business yuppie kind of way. Yeah. People are laughing. They're like, he's like shaking hands. Um, yeah. Holding court at the table. I'm like, oh, God, he's actually not bad at this job. No, he's not. He's in the most CEO sort of- out of any of them, right? Like, because he's, he's a leader in a way. So mm. he's a good leader compared to the rest of them anyway. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. And then it sort of, that makes you feel sorry for him that- all this shit is going to probably land on him. Yeah. Oh, well, should have left Shiva a long time ago. Should have. Should have <laughs> left the family. Exactly. <laughs> From my perspective, this was sort of a Shiv-Kendall episode, and then you sort of have Logan in the background freaking out. Yes. Who we should probably talk about. Yes. The main thing for me was that he refuses mm. to receive the subpoena. Yeah. Which I didn't even know you could do. And I was kind of like Googling that while I was watching, which spoiled it for me a little bit. Oh, no. But I was like, what What happens when you refuse a subpoena? What? And the, the Google answer was basically you get a heavy fine mm. or you get raided. Oh, there you go. And I was like, how is he even doing this? And then, yeah, at the end, I was like, oh, okay. Well, he got raided. Yeah. There was no way he was going to get away with this, no matter how much he tried to mm. resist and smooch the president. Um, you know, like he was... He was. He has to face the music. Like this is a big scandal. Yeah. So, um, but it's an awesome scene to see him near the end. Basically, go. You know, okay, um, we're cooperating. We're doing this right. Like it's. He can't get away. He can't. He can't escape that. He needs to answer for his sins. And it's funny how he's. He thinks he's that powerful and that connected that he won't have to. You know, he won't have to go through it. Yeah, that he'll. He'll just get away with it. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, sickening actually. But yeah, <laughs> so um, I love how he calls it a witch hunt. It's not a witch hunt. You've committed yeah. crimes and you need to answer for them. That's all it is, you know. It's just. But that's what he says to Shiv. He says, you won't find a piece of paper that makes you ashamed of me. Mm. And in a way that's saying you won't find any evidence that I've done anything wrong. It's not very comforting. No. Really. Like, but- doesn't mean you haven't. Exactly. Does that mean that maybe he's kind of burnt or like disposed of all the evidence or, and the fact that he is leading this company and this was happening under his nose. I mean, come Mm. on, 
that's bad enough in itself that you have these kind of people committing these crimes that you surely you must have heard of, like heard about. So many people. And you do see Shiv sort of question it Mm. in a way, being like, yeah, he says, oh, everything's all good. And she's like, is everything all good? And and then he'll say another line and she sort of backs down, Mm. uh, which I think sort of signifies that from where she started in the series to now she's become quite subservient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't take much now for her dad to sort of push her to the side or twist her. Yeah. To his point of view on his will. Yeah. She's changing. Very sad. She's becoming Kendall and she's become, she's changing and transforming into yeah. one of them. Should we talk about Roman? I think this was a very, yeah. there were very important moments, I think, in this episode for Roman. The interview that he had to do about the family and the business. Remember when they wanted someone to yeah. interview? And he is unable to answer any questions about his relationship with his father, the fact that yeah. he fight like he dry wrenches and he just kind of like doesn't want to touch any of those questions. Um, what does he say? I think the interviewer says, um, what's something special that you enjoy doing together with your father? Um, what's your most cherished father-son memory? And Roman goes, so far, so far these are bad. Like he just doesn't want to answer yeah. anything <laughs> that has to do with his dad. And although he's like a big, seems like a big supporter of his dad, he's trying to stay on his side and tries to support him. Does he have any moments? Like it just makes you question what kind of relationship he has with his dad as a father and son relationship. Like it doesn't seem that um, Logan was a hands-on father. Like there is no relationship, right, apart from the business. Do you find that or is it just me? No, no, yeah, that totally. Well, because he goes with Connor, a story about Connor taking him fly fishing. That's sort of the key family piece in that interview. Yes. Because he goes in to see Logan and Logan ridicules him for the I want my daddy yes. puff piece. And then he basically, he yeah. And then he says, well, that was a memory with Logan, uh, with Connor. Mm. So it wasn't even you. Yeah. And I think, yeah, Roman seems to have a real sense of, I don't know, he loves his family, but he loves his brothers. So you have that story with Connor. And then he refuses to sign the letter yes. to Kendall because he says, Kendall taught me how to, how to beep aim in the toilet seat, <laughs> in the toilet bowl. It's a great line. Those are two kind of things that a father would teach you. That's or right. A mother or a parent or someone would teach you. And yeah, Kendall and Connor are almost like his, his older brothers, but his father figure. Yeah. Which just makes me feel like, why are you supporting this guy? Move over to the kid. Not that I'm a supporter of, like, I don't know if I'm team Kendall or team Mm. Logan yet, but it's just, I feel like they, the fact that they support their father this much, so much, even though he's not a good dad, let's be honest. No. It's just, I don't know, it's heartbreaking, really. The fact that they never had that and and now they're fighting amongst themselves, even though, you know, Kendall showed him how to pee pee or like was more of a father figure. It just seems all very messed up to me. Yeah. The battlegrounds have been laid with the Kendall and the Logan Shiv side. Yeah. But there's cracks in Connor maybe and Roman maybe that him not signing the letter. Yeah. I saw as a small crack that maybe he could be swayed. Wow. And then also when he's about to go into Jerry's office late at night but – his dad catches him and he brings him in and ridicules him. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of predicting that 
it's uh, from this whole episode, it seems like Jerry is just the punching bag. Yeah. It's mentioned plenty of times as it was last episode, mm. as we kind of expected. But I can see Roman siding with Jerry and maybe in some way when everything goes to hell for Jerry, he's the one there to help her and to sort of stand by her and stick up for her. So you think there'll be a team Jerry as well? Team Jerry, team Logan, team Kendall? Three teams? Or even more? Three teams pregnant. maybe. Or they all go over to Kendall or... Yeah. It's tough, tough to figure. But I could see him siding with Jerry. Mm. Yeah, oh, he's been, in terms of what kind of conflict that is, I'm not sure. But yeah, he's been close yeah. to Jerry for a long time, and even though they've had an interesting, twisted relationship, I think he respects <laughs> her as someone, as that person that has been in the company for so long and knows the company, yeah. and knows how to run a business. I think he he is going to be like her little apprentice, and maybe he becomes the next CEO. Never know. <laughs> Just keeps you guessing. Maybe. maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still looking like Shiv day by day. But, yeah, I don't know. Now she's kind of losing me. Yeah. I'm kind of seeing what you were saying about her being corrupted. and Yeah, definitely corrupted. Her fall from grace. Yeah. So. The fact is that you might have to be that kind of monster that Logan is to run mm. a company like that, right? So she's headed that way. But I find that what Kendall did to his dad is like the biggest insult. Like that's a signature monster move. He should be the CEO, right? Like that's terrible to yeah. betray your own father and family, even though you didn't, you know, he's maybe your father as a bigger head because mm. you don't really have that relationship with him. And he did, um, he did treat him badly. Um, and he does have that thing over his head about um, the waiter story, right? The, that um, kid that died, that he hasn't used Yeah, yet. so... Should we, maybe we go into this. This is a good segue into like the key takeaways or like interesting points. Yeah. Because I found that when the security guard comes into his office, when Kendall's in the office, he says to him, I know you. And as soon as, those are the two moments. So right at the end, Kendall's just distraught because of the letter. And that's the only other moment where Kendall's getting bombarded with all these insults throughout the whole episode. Yeah. And then he sees this guy and that's the only time his face kind of, drops What's that and about? I went back it's the same security guard or yeah private security that calls um Kendall into the side room at the wedding or after the wedding after Kendall's killed the yeah um the, caterer yeah he said he comes up to him and he says Logan wants to see you and then he brings um Kendall into the room with Logan and Marsha mm-hmm. and they talk about the whole thing so Basically, he knows Kendall's killed this guy. Right. I did not pick that up, Max. I was I was looking at that going, okay, so you know him. Good on you. What's going on here? And then, yes. So <laughs> I had to backtrack. Knows, and so he means I know what you've done, basically, and I know what yeah, you're guilty I know of. What you've and, done. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I think his name's Carl or something. <laughs> I, w- I was curious about that scene, but I couldn't remember him at all to kind of make that connection. So nice one, Max. That's mm. good. I had to do some digging. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's a few little Easter eggs in this. Um, mm. So the late night host, Sophie Awobi, yeah. uh, is a real late night host or a talk show host in uh, real life. Wow. Uh, she hosts a show called Z-Way and she is Z-Way on Showtime. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Which is a really funny comedy interview show about like race, politics, 
uh, pop culture, all that kind of stuff. Cool. Uh, I'd highly recommend. Really funny. A lot of uh, funny guests. And it's just kind of her <laughs> making it incredibly awkward uh, and uncomfortable for guests. Because she's roasting and, like, them, doing all that? Kind of roasting them, but like diving into like race and politics oh, and all that kind of stuff, yeah. which is great. And really interestingly, the composer of her theme song, Nicholas Brittel, is also the composer of the Succession theme Stop song. Stop it. Oh, that's so-, so there's like that whole, yeah, interconnection. I don't know if maybe he got her the gig or... Probably, <laughs> by the looks mm. of things. Well, that's interesting. If there's one good thing about the Succession alternate reality is that I, essentially the biggest late night personality is a female of colour. Mm. Which is pretty cool. So let's turn for a moment to Kendall Roy, Woo-hoo. my favorite white man, Snitchy Rich, or as you may know him, <laughs> a jar of mayonnaise in a Prada suit. <laughs> okay. Um, Max, today, can we please talk about the watch? How funny was that story? The watch. Oh, oh, this is great. Like, yeah, we got to talk about superficial. Greg. Greg. How funny was that? To think like there's all this emphasis on this new watch and how, you know, Kendall body the watch. It was so awesome. Look at that. A forty thousand dollar watch that is not actually a gift that he and that he has to pay for it. How good is that? I could yeah, stop laughing. Hookup is the gift. I'm like, oh God. Mm. We spoke about this uh last week or maybe the week before, mm. but saying that Greg at one point, maybe was our eyes mm. into the show, like our point of view character. Yeah. And I think that's been completely scrapped now. Yeah. Because he's sort of like, yeah, he is sort of a fish out of water, but anyone that can still afford to buy a $40,000 watch. Yes. Is unrelatable for me personally. Exactly. $40,000 watch. What's the point? <laughs> it's just- so you, I'm like, you're with him up until that point. You're like, oh, this is so funny. Like, he thinks it's a gift. Like mm. if I had a rich friend and they, I'd probably get stuck in that same situation. Yeah. But then he buys it. He takes it like one step too far and yeah. spends $40,000 on a watch. Of his, of his grandfather's money, of course. So mm. maybe it's all the gifts that um, his granddad is giving him to do a bit of um, reconnaissance, right? And get in there, infiltrate, yeah, maybe. get the intel. Maybe his grandfather's paying, you know, like gifting things to him for a purpose. Maybe. It's pretty, um, it's so funny though, because uh, like how Kendall turns around, like he thought it was a gift and Kendall turns around and goes, yeah. I said I'd just, I'd hook you up. Like he wasn't going to buy him the watch. <laughs> no, poor Greg. What poor is Greg. he doing there? What's Tom doing <laughs> there? What's Greg doing there? They've all got to get out. Yeah, that vortex. Get out while they can. Mm, I would, I would run out pretty quickly. Yeah, I think everything is falling apart. It'll be really interesting to see next week. Are we going to see everyone part off and regroup mm-hmm. and reassess? Or if Logan and Kendall are just going to go on the full frontal attack? We'll find out in the coming weeks. We will. Yes. All right, Dee. Well, good to chat. Um, awesome, Max. See you next week. Yes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yes, thanks for listening. Come back next week.